are listening to the Drew and Jay podcast brought to you by 21 Media Productions. He is Drew Lasker. I am Jay Marriott. This is episode three with Cheshire Phoenix and current player of the month, Aaron Rye. But before we get into this episode, let's share a little message from our sponsor. We've teamed up with an incredible basketball clothing brand that's going to take your style and game to a whole new level. So get ready to elevate your passion for basketball, both on and off the court, because we're proud to introduce our collaboration with Always Ballin', the brand that's redefining basketball fashion. That's right, folks. Always Ballin' isn't just a clothing brand. It's a lifestyle. Whether you're shooting hoops at the park, catching a game with your friends, or just want to rock some seriously stylish shreds, Always Ballin' has got you covered. From premium jerseys, to trendy streetwear, they've got it all. And here's the best part. Not only are they our podcast's official merchandise partner, but they're also creating some exclusive Drew and Jay show gear that you won't find anywhere else. So get ready to rep your love for basketball like never before with always balling, top-notch apparel, and stay tuned because we got some exciting giveaways and promotions coming your way soon. So until then, keep listening to us here at the show for the latest on all things basketball. And remember, when it comes to style and passion for the game, we're always balling. Okay, let's get him in the room. Current Player of the Month and Cheshire Phoenix star man, Aaron Rye. Welcome to the show, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Much appreciated. No worries. Let's get. It's nice to have some brains in the room, my man. <laughs> Not with me, though. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's test those brains straight in at the deep end. I ask a question. One word answers only, please. You are now playing the Marriott Minutes. Okay, Hemel Storm. Fun. Cheshire Phoenix. Exciting. British teams invading Europe. Hype. Taylor Johnson. Killing it. One, wo- <laughs> one word for your game. Winning. Current game day footwear. Dunks. New league media coverage. Interesting. Ivy League basketball life. Intense. Storm fans or Phoenix fans? <laughs> Gotta say Phoenix fans now. You got it, or Rachel will be all over you. Favorite basketball movie? Coach Card. Favorite game day song? I can't pick one. And breathe. I'll let you off the last one, Aaron. That is this week's Marriott Minute. Cheers, cheers. Good job, man. That vocabulary is a little bit deep, man. That Ivy League <laughs> ticket, huh? No, I, I couldn't find a, I couldn't find just one word for for half the questions. So got me thinking. <laughs> it's tough. It's harder than you think, yeah, right? <laughs> that's yeah. That's Jay trying to set everybody up. But nah, man. Uh, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Fresh off of uh, our the British Basketball League's first Player of the Month award, and so you know, coming to the season, I had never seen you play, but I had heard of you. Um, you played with one of my guys, Seth, last year. And so, um, you know, straight off the bat, the question that I, I'm curious to know, because you can provide the best perspective, is 
so far, what's the difference between Division One and the step up to the British Basketball League? Yeah, I mean, I've only played like four games, so uh, I don't know how much context I can give you guys, but uh, I just feel like overall, like there's quite a lot more talent on the floor at the same time, uh, obviously speaking, and then the game moves a little quicker because of that. And then, but uh, I thought the way we we kind of played at, at Hamel was was very similar in terms of the pace of play we had and, and the talent on the floor. So that wasn't as big of a jump, but I think just more of like across the board on on every single team, there's everybody is just really talented and capable. So one through ten from each each team that you're you're gonna face in in the British Basketball League is gonna be really good players. So there's no play plays off, no no players to to really attack and no nights off really. So each team, each each player is really capable. So talent level is, is the big difference, I'd say. Well, you settled in and you certainly, uh, you know, hit the ground running, but uh, th this is a new style of roster for Coach Thomas. We haven't seen this before. Teams are struggling to adapt slightly. You have big shooting, guards posting up, and there's no guys, no doubt you guys are in a race to 100 points. You know, how far... Uh, can this team go this season? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we play definitely a little differently than everybody else, but obviously that's that's to our advantage. Like a lot of times, like teams can get in a rhythm with with kind of the similar style of, of play that they're facing. So I think when they kind of play us, they gotta really switch it up and really think how they're gonna guard and how they're gonna attack us. And I think that that one thing that we we really really try to focus on is is making sure that what, whatever we're doing, we're we're just kind of playing hard. And, and playing together through through all, every play, really. And I think that's, like, kind of the key sometimes in moments. The season, you know, when other teams have been going on runs, we've been kind of just doing our own thing a little bit, and offensively and defensively, but, like, really sticking to, to what, what Coach has planned for us and, and just kind of playing hard and playing through those mistakes by just playing hard really helps us out. And I think if we keep doing that, hopefully we can stack up some wins and, and make up for, for some of those little errors by just, just being tough. Well, you guys are already stacking up rent wins. I mentioned last week that you guys were my surprise team, and you guys fun to watch, man. Very unorthodox, and I, I think if you did a poll around the league, I think people would say that Cheshire has probably been uh, the toughest opponent for most teams, and then you probably being the, the toughest player just because you're so versatile. Um, you can take advantage of mismatches, but from from your perspective so far, and you've you mentioned you've only played four games, but who, who's been the toughest opponent and and who's been the toughest player that you face so far? Yeah, I would I would probably say London. Uh, I think that's pretty much everybody's answer. But uh, yeah, and then player, I'd say like Matt Morgan. He's real talented. I played him number number of times in college and kind of knew what to expect, but. Yeah, you can't really can't really stop it. He's he's shoots it so well, quite efficient. You know, gets to the rim, finishes. Can't really foul him because he's gonna make his free throws. Real good competitor. So yeah, I'd say London and probably probably Matt Morgan so far. That's that's probably gonna be most teams' answer to be honest, because it seems like everybody's <laughs> yeah. best night has been against London so far. But let's uh, circle back a little bit. I want to talk about your unbeaten run last season with Hemel Storm. Uh, you know, you did that with fellow Ivy Leaguer and current Patriot, Taylor Johnson in the mix. Was it something that you guys set out to achieve? Or as the season started rolling, you just realized, hey, we, we have a special group. We can go on a run here. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, just kind of showed up and like I like I said, like I think uh, our coach last year, Drew Spinks, re- really great coach, uh, really passionate, knows what he's talking about. Better better individual than coach, if that's possible. But uh, he he well, really tried I to. Against Drew. I played against Drew before, and he will kick your ass as well. So just to throw that in. Yeah, he was a yeah. T- he was a tough player for Milton Kings. He definitely he was, was very tough. Very. Yeah, he he jumped in a couple of scrimmages every now and then and hand out some elbows or two. But uh, uh, no, nah, he's he's real re- really good guy and uh, really focused on each kind of opponent each each week and and made sure we kind of stood stayed in each each moment. Really focused on each week, I suppose. So like kind of looking at the big picture and just kind of enjoying each each practice, each game, each time together that built the chemistry and ended up just kind of stacking wins without without realizing it and uh yeah just kind of staying in the moment really really helped us through that so yeah didn't really expect it but uh enjoyed it definitely (laughs) well we know that you're you're human and and what was the moment that that you guys collectively were like wow we actually probably can go undefeated this year yeah it was probably uh it was like a random game i think it might have been uh it might have been sometime in like February or something like that. We squeezed one out on the road against Loughborough or something. It was we did not deserve to win that game, and uh, actually, unfortunately, they lost last last Saturday to Loughborough. So that's I guess that's the get back. But uh, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. No, we just we just pulled that one out of nowhere. So I was like, hey, like you know, maybe uh, maybe something's on our side. You know, if we can work this miracle, we might we might be able to take it all the way. But yeah, no, we didn't we didn't deserve to win that game at all. So, yeah. Ever since then, I was like, "Hey, you know, we might be able to do this." So, yeah. I mean, it was a fun ride. I mean, I followed you guys a little bit last year, obviously because of Seth, and um, you know, for you guys to go and win everything. I've been in in your shoes before, and and as you start counting down the games, you start to actually feel the pressure. Like, it's it's no longer can we go undefeated. It's like, uh oh, we better not mess this up. You know. So, um, you know, I was happy to follow you guys, but for yourself. Uh, you, you know, you got an Ivy League degree there that you played at Dartmoor for four years. You know, what's your personal goals in regards to basketball? Yeah, I mean, uh, like I, I tell everybody this, that I'm not like really sure how many how many years I have or how long I want to play. I just try to, like, uh, like I've been saying, just like take each week by week, month by month, game by game, and just kind of enjoy uh, each week and each time I get to step on the court and then however long. That is, I'll kind of realize that for myself as as the days and weeks go on. So, yeah, like not really uh, thinking about exactly when that will be, but just trying to take each each day as it is. And then uh, when I guess it's, I feel like it's time, it's time. But hopefully my legs are still young enough that can last a little bit longer. But, uh, yeah, so just, just trying to stay in the moment, honestly. Well, let, let's put it into a little bit of perspective. Obviously, for, for new listeners, you know, Ivy League basketball is, you know, the, the, the premier of education as well as basketball. And we know that your major is in neuroscience. So I'm, I'm guessing you're going to make a hell of a lot more money outside of basketball than, than, than you make in basketball, I would just assume. Um, so I, I, think it's, I think it's really interesting for, for the fans to understand you know what that time limit is but like you said you're just you're just enjoying yourself right now yeah i mean uh 
yeah, just didn't never really expect it to, to play professionally after. And I guess just the opportunity kind of presented itself and just kind of kept the ball rolling from there. But yeah, enjoying it, you know, experiencing different cultures, different areas of the world. Uh, don't really think I'd get a chance to do that, doing anything else. So yeah. And then as well, like enjoy playing. So it's kind of, it's kind of why I'm keep keeping going. Love it. Well, before I let Drew lead out this interview, like what I do want to point out is when we finally do get the Drew and Jay podcast all-star team going, Drew needs to remember that it will be Aaron will be my first pick because actually a couple of episodes ago, he went against you and he chose Evan Walsh from <laughs> Manchester Giants. So just putting it out there, just just saying. Oh, no. Okay. He's, he's, he's a real talented player too, so uh, I, I totally get it. Oh, he's too nice, Drew. Come on. He's too nice. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You've, you've, uh, you've made me a believer, that's for sure, when you came to Newcastle and put up 20 and got out of there with the win. So um, keep doing what you're doing, man. I love, I love your tone. You're just focusing on the moment, and, and that's the way to be because this thing will be over before you know it, and usually players were always looking ahead, looking to the next contract. So enjoy the ride, my man. You're doing a great job so far. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, just trying my best. Much appreciated. Thanks for your time, my man. Appreciate you. Man, I got some time for Aaron, man. What a cool dude. Yeah, super humble, man. Really nice guy. Yeah, I like his energy, man. And then also representing the Ivy League, he played against Tosan, who, by the way, got some minutes for the Pistons last night. And I didn't even realize that he had played against Matt Morgan. So we got some... So, you know, Darian Nelson Henry uh, went the pen. So the Ivy League always represented strong. You think you could have gotten to an Ivy League school? Man, I would have loved to. If that if that's one of the unticked bucket lists, I, <laughs> I would have just loved to experience that Ivy League balance of the education and basketball, man. But hey, I don't think I'm uh, I don't think I'm in their uh, bracket, let's just say. Right. So you're not you didn't have a fourteen hundred on your SAT in, up your sleeve. Uh, definitely not. I don't think I was attempting <laughs> it either, you know, to be fair, but uh, I don't know if it was in the locker, let's say. Well, cool, man. Well, let's move the show along, Jay, and let's get to our hot topics where it seemed like every week things are burning. And so we got a lot to talk about and we're going to kick things off. Uh, you know, you and I wake up this morning to some allegations from MVP in regards to 777. And we're actually going to move that to the back of the show because if unless you've been under a rock, we've kind of opened up a mailbag for you listeners out there to go put your questions and a lot of interesting stuff in there. So Jay and I went and put our hand in there and grabbed a couple. And so one of those topics will cover a question from Chris Plant. So we'll talk about that later. But, you know, we got to kick things off, you know, with my Eagles. You know, there's turbulence in Newcastle, Jay. And I mentioned this last episode that I was most concerned about them. And since then, they've gone 0-3, losing on Wednesday out in Lithuania in a heartbreaker, then Friday home, at home to Leicester, and then the debacle in Sheffield uh, last night as they opened up their new arena. So there's been a lot of talk on the socials in regards to finger pointing, which normally happens during this time. So, you know, I'm coming right at you. I'm putting you in the hot seat. Who's more at blame at this moment in time, the players or the coach? Well, I think, first of all, um, it's really interesting what a week of basketball can do, right? It can, it can, you know, go to the next level or it can unravel really, really quickly. And, I, and, um, you know, I think if things had been slightly different in Europe, would, would that have been slightly different going into the weekend? And, and I feel that final game was just, um, 
you know, maybe a, a lack of confidence, maybe a, a lack of um, cohesiveness with the group at the moment because, you know, that people believe in winning, right? When you win games, it's easy to believe in coaches. And when you lose games, it's it's easy to start questioning tactics and things like that. I think what's really been fascinating is this, this maybe is the first year where I've really seen people starting to talk like genuine hoops, you know, and starting to aim that at the coaches, you know, if they're not performing and different things like that. I haven't really seen that too much before. So I know there's a lot of new, you know, and not a lot of noise, sorry, around Coach Stutel, but I'm going to have to put this to the players, you know, because uh, we, we've talked about this before, you know, this is an all-star team. This is how we coined it. This is how everybody talks about, you know, this is a um, the treasures of the BBL. Um, you know, we can't aim it at the, the chairman. The chairman's put his hand in his pocket. Um, you know, Coach Stutel's got a gr great group of gr guys to work with. Um, great assistant coach in terms of, um, you know, Coach Stronach, who we know and love very, very well. And, and I think these players have just got to get together a little bit and, and get out of each other's way. You know, I think that the preseason hurt them because you said it here first. Um, you said that they were just playing one speed. And I think that they got away with that. I think that worked for them really, really well. But they've been challenged early in the season to to get into plan B, get into plan C. They've been pushed to go to um, to other actions. And, and I think guys have just got to get out of each other's way a little bit. Um, you know, Mr. Defoe's got to start banging some heads together and, and, and start giving old war stories of the, 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 the days of old when, when winning was, you know, not just a given, it was expected. So, you know, I'd just like to see the players just take a little bit more accountability there and think to themselves, okay, we, we have to pick ourselves up, especially after that final performance. You know, a loss in Europe is not, nothing to be shamed at tough loss at Leicester that really would have hurt. But then they really, they all allowed their standards to drop um, and put themselves in a situation now where the pressure's on. And and sadly, a lot of the times it's not aimed at the players. It sits with the coach. So you're telling me that all of a sudden, Todd Green doesn't know how to score. Larry Austin doesn't know how to score. Ricky McGill, we saw him in the bubble, doesn't know how to score. Del Pesh, was a double-double machine, doesn't know how to score. I mean, I got to go with the coach on this one. And this is tough for me because I have a lot of respect for Coach Stoodle. I'm really good friends with him. He, I played for him in Bucks, And, and I, I, you know, I, I preface this by saying that, you know, I, I picked him for preseason coach of the year. And so I have to leave the accountability there. I was at the game on Friday night against the Leicester Riders, and I would say, and this is no exaggeration, that 40% of the offensive possessions, the crowd was counting down the shot clock. I was befuddled. I was like, a team this talented can't get a shot attempt, and a lot of their actions that they're running are false actions to try to get the defense off balance so they can run into this ball screen late. But I'm like you, I'm a believer in if you can get the same shot seven seconds into the shot clock, why wait 20 seconds? You know, you got a team this talented, they got to be more in attack mode. I think they need more quick hitters. You know, obviously they want to play fast, but you got to get stops to play fast and they're taking the ball out of the net 
and that's fine. But I think that their sets need to be more dynamic. So I think they could be in, put in a better position to be successful because they're all doubting themselves. And I think, you know, knowing Studel the way that I know him and from his preseason interviews, he would raise his hands right now and say that it's on me and I got to do a better job. Um, and it's, it, it, and we're saying this because he's a great coach, you know, and because it's in him, he's, he's coached team GB. And I said it at the beginning of the year that coaching a team like this is about man management skills. And I assume with the GB experience that he was used to coaching this type of talent, but right now something's just off. And, and, and let's, let's, let's be fair, right? Like that game in Lithuania and you've been a player, Jay is the type of game that if they win, they go three and oh, and they go on a hell of a run, right? Like you've just blown out a team in Europe, but if you lose it the way that they lose it, you, that can easily turn into a five game losing streak. You know what I mean? So it can go both ways, but I just think that, you know, the coach has to put them in better positions to be more successful playing, playing more. I don't want to say faster because I said they need to learn how to play in the half court, but they need to be more dynamic right now. To me, it looks a little bit more uh, predictable. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I always have three words when you're talking about basketball, three words. And the one thing that they're missing right now is pounce. So I always say pounce, patience and punish. And they're being patient right now. And maybe that's what the problem is. Is there? Maybe it's the complete opposite of what I just described. Maybe they're so much trying to get out of each other's way that they're not actually playing their own game, you know, but either way, I think that, um, yes, you know, there, there, there's some things that we've seen, especially late game in terms of coaching. But I think for the most part, like they just need, they've all been leaders in their own right. So they can come together, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and write the ship. But this is going to be the difficulty of Europe. I called it out with Bristol last week as well. Like, I think they're going to have the same thing is if you have a tough performance in Europe and then you got to take into consideration all the travel, et cetera, et cetera, the man management that comes in at that point is is going to be huge and let's bear in mind that this is going to be coach andreas's first experience of that and also coach stutes this is his first go round with this so you know maybe there's a learning curve for everyone and there's a lot of pressure on these coaches jay i mean you see i've noticed in these last couple games that there's a camera in every single huddle you know you see the direction that the league is going and there's no hiding from anybody so um, I think more so than ever that the league is becoming professionalized where everyone's being held accountable. We talked about this last year. It was always the players who were needed to be held accountable. If they weren't performing, they got cut. And now the coaches are in the same bracket as the players. And so, uh, you know, and, and, and saying that, even though, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm speaking on behalf of the coaches, but I will say as well that Larry Austin Jr. and Ricky McGill are playing subpar basketball and both of them know that they're much better than this and ricky mcgill even tweeted that he's playing like boo boo and so both of these guys need to pick it up because they better than that and and i want to see them do well you know they're talented and they're much better but it don't get easier jay they got at london at home to leicester and then away to bristol so things could get worse before they get good but let's move things along to a team that's actually turned things around and that's the leicester riders and i don't think i've ever seen a team improve this quickly after the after the Plymouth game I tweeted that Rob Paternostro is going to finish the season with a head full of gray hair but now all of a sudden you know they go down and stomp Bristol away at Bristol and then come to Newcastle 
and win a squeaker with, by the way, by starting all five rookies. What have you seen differently from this team? I just think time. I think they're just going to keep better, getting better over time. And like I said, I, I, I argued with you when you said that I think Coach Rob's going to be going gray. I, I don't think he is. I think he's, I think he's enthused by this new group. It's, it's exciting for him that he's got to try and, um, you know, turn these rookies into playing the type of basketball that he wanted to play. And yeah, early on, you could see like the, the struggles you can always see in the players that are already there and know it at clockwork. So Kimball was very much getting thrown out of rhythm because other guys weren't quite on the same page. But you can see, um, you know, maybe the opposite to Newcastle is they have all seen like, okay, we, we got to make a few sacrifices here. We got to trust in the offense. We got to try and get to where we need to be. They look like they're going to be a high scoring team this year. They want to get out and play and play with pace. Um, and I still think there's a few pieces there that that have got to settle in and and start to get going. You know, I think Mo Walker coming back from his injury is is huge. I want to see um, you know Connor Washington when he's um, you know up and ready to go as well. So there's there's additions and veteran additions as well. You know, people that know that know the team. But it just looks like these rookies are just starting to figure it out. Um, there's no doubts like. I don't think this is a smooth ride and everything's fixed. I'm sure they're going to go on the highs and the lows of of of, of youth. Um, but uh, they, they've been really fun to watch, you know, especially considering the start. They've been really fun to watch and they're coming into other people's gyms hmm. and getting those W's. Yeah, and it was interesting because I talked to Pablo after the game and I actually asked him why did they charge change that starting lineup to all five rookies. And if you look at where those guys are from, they all come from big time programs. So the question isn't, can they play? And so he just mentioned to me that, um, you know, with this team in particular, which is different from teams in the past is that they've had to keep them on a, a short reign, right. To make sure they're really structured, which is the complete opposite of Newcastle. Like I think Newcastle should be playing more freer, right? Because they got veterans that's played in this league before. And it seems like they're playing more uptight um but he said he moved you know guys like Kimball uh Mo Walker Connor Washington uh and even uh what's it TJ TJ Law Law coming off the bench because they can bring experience off the bench and whatever mess that the rookies have made those veterans can come in and clean it up and so I think that it seems to be working at 2-0 and since they've mm -hmm. kind of flipped that but that's I think cool sometimes yeah I, I think sometimes that it's actually, you know, we, we, we are very pessimistic on young teams, but sometimes it's actually, I always say this, you want young teams to be young and dumb because what you don't know won't hurt you. And sometimes you just need them to go out. Like, like for me, someone asked, I think they asked in the mailbag and we didn't include it, but I'll answer it here. They asked, who's the first team they think could beat London? Because London's not going undefeated. And I actually think it's the Leicester Riders. And the reason why I think it is is because you got a, a five rookies who don't know any better. They don't know anything about London Lions. They don't know anything about Euro Cup. They just got here. So sometimes, you know, the, the not knowing part is just, you know, you can go out there and play without any pressure. Whereas a team like Newcastle, they know kind of the fight that they're going into. So you already kind of beat before you walk in there. But I, I think Leicester would be the first team that will go in there and grab a win. We heard it here first. <laughs> well, as we move things along, well, let, let's 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 flip back to 
um, a team that isn't doing so well and that I was high on in the preseason. And actually, you had them, I think you might have picked them ninth, and that's the Surrey Scorchers. And the reason why I was so high on them is because they're bringing most of their team back. You know, they've added Justin Robinson to the mix. And I just thought that, you know, with this veteran presence, with the returners, that they would see a little bit more success. But, you know, so far, I hate to say it, it's pretty much the same old Surrey. They, they're competitive. They're going to be in every game. But when when you shove the chips to the middle of the table, they just don't have the right hand. You know, they can have, you know, uh, you know, a three of a kind in their hand. But it seems like the the the, the opponent always has a royal flush. So, you know, how concerned are you on a meter one to ten of these sorry scorches? Well, I mean, it's still a small sample size for sure. And like one of the things that I said, like obviously, you know, Rob jumped on us super quick and said, it, you know, it's just been that one game. But what we have to realize is that one game was at home. And if you're yep. going to change who you are, so if the Plymouth City Patriots are going to change who they are, okay, it's the perception. I'm not saying that it's who they are right this second, but the perception of these two teams is that they are the two bottom run teams. You know, that's the perception. And, you know, People, well, myself, I, I haven't seen enough change to be convinced that, that that can be different. And, you know, that game for me is I was like, okay, you know, if you want to be seen differently, you have to win your home game. So let's, let's forget about what happens on the road right now, but you have to be a fortress at home and make sure that you get the job done. You know, you've said it before, as you, you've seen them down the stretch is when they tend to fall away. And down the stretch this season, we've seen them fall away. So, you know, they're, they're, um, they're definitely playing to type. I hoped with, you know, the addition of, um, Justin and hopefully, you know, Andrew getting more and more healthy, um, that that experience would be able to help them as well, just to try and get over the hump. But that hasn't happened right now. It hasn't. Um, it hasn't changed much for them in terms of numbers. I would still say four or five, you know, because wow. it's just so early in the season, but their perception right now is the same. Wow. You being kind of lenient, Jay, I'm surprised. I mean, you know, Rob said, <laughs> he, he said he, you can now call this a crisis and I will kind of, I'm kind of leaning with them because that, that Sheffield game, which they lost in overtime, like you mentioned, Jay, if you're going to change, you just got to pick up games at home. This is a league now. There's no more gimmies. And, um, you know, if any game was a gimme on their schedule so far, is the Cheshire Phoenix coming to your house with no Aaron Rye, our guest of today, uh, the MVP of September. That's a game by if, no if and buts about it that you just have to win and you got to take mm -hmm. care of business. And I tweeted last week, after the Sheffield game that don't be surprised if Josh Stills enters the starting lineup. And I was one game off. He didn't start the sky game in Glasgow, but he did start the game on Saturday night. But then also another wrinkle was Teo entered the starting lineup. So coach Gardner put Teo and Josh Steele into the lineup. But what's really the surprising and something that we need to watch really closely is who actually came off the bench. And that was one of my six superstars of the season. That's Padilla Wang. And he just has not looked right to me this year. Like, I know he had to withdraw from the Sudan team from an injury, and he just doesn't look to have that kind of explosiveness he had last year. So I'm questioning, is he healthy? But he, even beyond that, like, last year he was super talented, 
but he was just young. I mean, he made a lot of mistakes down the stretch with the ball in his hands. And then you saw it there in the, in the, in the Sheffield game at home, a mistake late got yanked from the game. And then something interesting in against Caledonia is he came in, he overpenetrated. It was a turnover and you could see Gardner was ballistic and yanked him right away. And so, you know, I haven't seen that step forward from him mentally that you would like to see from someone in year two. So it's just something we got to watch. But um, I really I'm really like Lloyd Gardner. I, I like Dan Clark and I really want to see this team be successful. And if you look at their upcoming schedule, Jay, they got. They've gotten, um, you know, I think they got London coming up next. And then they've got Manchester. So obviously you can count the London game as an L, but I think that that Manchester game, that has to be a must win. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. And like I said, like turning turning this uh team around is is you know it's not gonna be easy and and it sometimes is gonna be painful. Yeah, well, come on, sir. You know, we're always cheering for you the underdogs, and we want to see you guys do well. But a team that seems to not be missing a beat is the London Lions, six and zero at the moment. Matt Mar Matt Morgan, excuse me, is doing exactly what I said in preseason. Will be the MVP because he's holding down the fort while Sam Decker takes his time, and also he's playing the most minutes because he has the young legs. So it's it's turning out exactly how I called it. But one thing that we did see the MVP with a little comeback video. You know, how, how do you think he's gonna fit into the mix? Well, it's been interesting because, like, I think they've been winning without being an emphatic, right? You know, they've got everybody's best shot every night. They seem to just be locked in to just get the job done. But, you know, I've seen it firsthand. I've sat there right on the court side and, and watched a, a, a finals game where the tide was turning and, and in subs, the cheat code. That's what I called him last year, <laughs> the cheat code, Sam Decker. <laughs> And, and, and just comes in and takes over a game. So, you know, of course, like, you know, when you talk about Willie enhance the Lions, you know, he's going to take them to that next level. And I think he's going to be the key to their Euro Cup success as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to him coming back and, you know, he's, he's played in the NBA and stuff like that. So I, I really see his, um, his comeback being immediate. You know, there's some people that come back from injuries and just it takes them a while to get going. I think he's just been around the block. Like he understands how to to look after himself. He's the ultimate professional. I see him coming in and just not even missing a beat, and um, you know, and pro probably meshing really well with Matt Morgan rather than kind of getting in his way. You know, this team is built probably for those two guys to be stars, especially when you're looking at at um, uh, at the BBL, but especially Euro Cup as well. So. It's exciting, man. You know, you, you're right. Matt Morgan is incredible. But then we're bringing back the MVP of last year still to add to the team. This must be a coach's nightmare when they're seeing that video. Yeah, and the good thing about Sam is he has very good high IQ because, as you mentioned, sometimes it's really tricky to introduce a new player when a team is rolling, right? It's like you almost don't want to mess with it. But he's the type of player that can kind of fit into – he can fit into any kind of square peg or whatever you like to call it because he's so versatile. He's six foot nine. You can throw it down on the post if you need to. He didn't give you a post option. And probably, I mean, it, it, it would, it, 
I think it's fair to say that he could probably be their best post option. And that's no disrespect to Gabe, but we've seen what he can do down low just because he's so he's so tall and he's going to have a smaller guy on him. We we also saw him in a pick and roll last year with with Josh Sharman and and Kufus and I mean, six nine and seven foot on a ball screen. You, how you want to guard it? Drop coverage, bang. Okay, you want to fight over the top? He's gonna get you on the hip and then throw the lob or finish with a touch shot. It's just unguardable. And then, you know, when he's on the weak side, if you dare help, he just can just stick threes. You know, and so mm-hmm. uh, I, I agree with you that I think his main focus this season is going to be in Euro Cup. Uh, Matt Morgan, a uh, kind of handle the load in the British basketball league, which he's already has. He's averaging 20 plus a game, but where they're going to really need Sam is in Euro cup because we saw game one and Matt kind of struggled a little bit. And you know, that's, I, I think it's a little bit of a size thing. Um, and it'll be something he have to adjust to. This is his first time playing at that level. And so he's talented enough where he'll adjust Well, we know Sam, I mean, again, he's six foot nine and he has the experience of last year going back into that competition where he was top five scoring, I believe. And so, uh, and and the thing is, is that there's going to be so much pressure removed from him because anytime London needed a bucket last year, all the weight was on his shoulders because it was no one that could really consistently create their own shot in, in Euro cup. And so now he knows he has a running mate that can do the same and he can just kind of take a break there on the weak side and so, um, yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to seeing him back out there. But the most important box to tick first is to make sure that he's 100% healthy. Well, that's everything in the British Basketball League. Did we miss anything, man? I think we kind of covered everything that was talked about on the socials. Did you see anything uh, out there this week? I think, we're, I, th- I think we're all caught up, man. I'm, re- I'm, ready, I'm ready for something a little bit new. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Well, new as in the mailbag and everyone thank you out there for kind of on all on all the social platforms they kind of threw their their questions into a hat and we kind of grabbed a few so i mean let's just go through it i mean you got your notes up i got mine just uh, i'll let you start you kind of have a wave which which one you want to take first well let's let's dive in like i'm sure everybody wants this one so the 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 chris plant uh question is with with all speculation around 777 partnership ownership how concerned should everyone connected to british basketball league be and what could be the potential consequences so obviously that follows on from um you know this morning's allegations that um there are there were teams in the league that were um trying to see um you know the the uh, the current chairman re- removed, and there's there there seems to be some suggestions of some political um, battles behind the scenes. So um, it's it's an interesting one for me. You know, I, I, obviously following the stories and everything else like that, but it's really really hard to give like an educated um, breakdown on on everything that I've seen. Um, you know, but generally speaking there's a lot of smoke, Like there's a lot of smoke. And, um, you know, people generally say that there's, there's no smoke without fire. Um, so, you know, I think there's definitely something going on. It's just what is going on, you know, and I struggle Mm -hmm. to believe that, um, you know, anyone with these kind of problems would get even close to even being mentioned in the media in terms of Everton football club, you know, so, even if they don't get accepted as being suitable, they've been allowed to be in the room. They've been allowed to be talked about. So there must be 
um, some validity there to, to, to what they're doing. I think based on the things that I do know behind the scenes, you know, they're very, very committed to this project. They want to see this project um, succeed. Um, you know, we can obviously see that, you know, pretty much all the money has gone into production this year. You know, they're trying to bring even more eyes to British basketball. So I just think my um, my, my answer is probably very Drew Lasker-esque is, is, you know, let's just enjoy it for for what it is right now and, and not get caught up in thinking way down the line. You know, let's figure that out. Like when that comes out and, it, and if there's if there's some actions or if there's some consequences or if there's some changes, then we can adjust to that. But right now, like I'm really just enjoying having the option from Thursday through the Sunday to be able to watch British basketball. You know, I'm, I'm really passionate about what's going on um, in terms of on the court, um, you know, and it's our job on the podcast to talk about what's going on off the court. But as I said, there's, there's no real educated answer to this. It just feels like there's a lot of smoke um, and it keeps popping up. Um, but I haven't really seen like, I haven't really seen anything out there that's come from, you know, come from other areas. Like it just seems like a lot of people that maybe are, um, are struggling with the change in the league right now and, and just kind of, um, very, very aggressively putting that out there in the news. So let's just, let's just see what happens. Like I said, um, I, I would like to believe that this is just, uh, you know, just, Something or nothing, but we'll see. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I haven't, you know, I've seen these things floating around as well, and I haven't took the time out to read through these articles. And just before I go, because I think you mentioned that you've kind of skimmed through them, just quickly, what have, what have you taken from the articles that you've read or the allegations? Um. There's, there's some obviously there's some worrying allegations and that's just down to seven 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 to to answer those questions. I have no clue and don't live in that realm. Um, but there's a lot of things just around payment. You know that's that's what a lot of things are. But from from my perspective of being in the world of business, um, you know it's 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 very rare that you see people paying on time. You know it's yeah. it, there's always you know. In this country, we always live off a, a 14 day or a 30 day and things like that. And, you know, there's people going over all the time. And, you know, my investment company here for our cl club here, like, you know, they have a number of people that still owe them a ton of money. Like it, it's, it's business, you know, so I think that they got there in the end and they paid their money in the end and stuff like that. And I would imagine this is just an educated guess, not an Ivy League guess, by the way, just an educated <laughs> guess that... You know, they're, they're an investment company, so it's a case of ins and outs. So they might have to wait for a certain amount of time because there's a, a, a serious amount of money coming from here and then that cut goes to there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's the, the, the things that I really read is just the validity, where the money's coming from. You know, I'm not really interested in that. Like, I, I'm, it's rumors, speculation. They have to answer that. It's not down to me. And then the rest of it's just around finance. But like I said, you know, if you're owning so many sports clubs and all this kind of stuff that's going on, I would imagine the swings and roundabouts of finance is crazy, you know, and sadly, like people just don't empty their pockets for a couple of million quid. So I'd imagine it's just that, but we'll see. Yeah, it's a tough one, man, because I don't actually know what to think of it all because I haven't dug through 
those allegations. Um, but I'm with you that the little things that I've seen have been about payments, but I'm, I'm aligned with you because I'm in, I'm involved in corporate America and we have, uh, you know, clients there and, you know, and it's it, a lot of these companies, especially investment firms, they're all about, you know, cash flow. And so, I mean, I didn't understand that at first when I got involved in it because I'm just like, okay, I just did a job for you. I just sent you an invoice. Why can't I have the money now? Why do I have to have a net 15, net, a net 30? And I didn't really understand that. But now being involved in it this long, I understand that there's money being moved around from all these companies and it's all about cash flow. And then also they want to take advantage of interest rates as well. So like if they can keep money in an account for an extra 30 days because that money is going to grow, then they're going to do that. So they all wait to the last minute. Trust me, I deal with it every single month when it comes to payday. So that doesn't really worry me at all. I would just say that, um, you know, I, I, I'm not educated in in those allegations enough to kind of to kind of talk to them about them in depth. But I will say is that someone I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's the BBF. I don't know if it's the British Basketball League. I don't know if it's 777, but I would be very disappointed if I didn't see a statement from somebody by the end of the week. Because with 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 allegations like this, like you don't need to address every single rumor that's out there, right? There's rumors all the time. And so I just feel like right now, um, it was just something about those posts. And I just feel like if everything's fine, then just come out there and say it. If there's nothing to worry about, if someone, if teams are, um, you know, looking to pull out or looking for change or something, I just think it just needs to be come out and said, just for the simple fact that it's a lot of people that's relying on the British Basketball League for their livelihood, players, backroom staff, coaches, um, game day, uh, you know, workers. And so it's a lot. And so I just think for, for that, from that perspective, um, I, I think something needs to be said. So hopefully something will come peace out. Of mind post. In, a peace of mind. There we go. A peace of mind. There you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but anyways, um, let's see what else is out there. I think, um, UK hoops fan who've, who's been popping a lot on, on my timeline. He says, given the investment and expectation on the league this year, what would be consistent to be, what would be considered to be a genuine and realistic success at the end of the season? I really, I really like this question. This is probably one of my favorite questions that I've seen come across because what is the goal? Um, is it just to say that, you know, we want things to improve? Because I think it's clear. We talked about that. Everything is improving. But for me personally, I guess if I want to put something out there that we can kind of uh, hang our hat on, I think after the season for me, success would be, um, and I want to go further than just saying, yeah, all of our numbers are up. I think one, and I'm only asking for one, if we can get one major brand in line, signed up, representing something, whether it's a TV ad, whether it's a, um, you know, a name rights deal, something. If we can have one at the end of the season, for me personally, I think that would be success along with everything else, with everything else from the stream numbers, from the TV numbers to be improving. But I want to see one major brand uh, tag along and represent the British Basketball League. Yeah, I love that. I mean, like my uh, my my wish list would be expansion. 
Um, love to see um, some more teams added to the British Basketball League. So an example is we just had the Southwest Derby. Guess what we got this weekend? We got the Southwest Derby. You know, there's just in, it's, it's some same same. Um, you know, maybe um, too many of the same things happening, and that's really hard from a perspective of trying to sell the games. I think obviously all the money's gone into production. Um, it looks incredible. Um, but as you said, like, you know, it, it can look incredible all at once, but what's it done? Um, so like you said, a, a major brand becoming involved and stuff like that, that would show me some really, um, you know, cool strides for the league. Um, let's finish here then. Uh, Matt McQueen um, said, do you see... Uh, a time when every club in the BBL also has a WBBL team with equal prominence and every club owns their facilities. It looks like there have been great strides forward and I believe that those clubs who don't do this will be left behind. With more BBL teams entering Europe, owning and monetizing their own venues, can the likes of Surrey and Chester, etc. keep pace with them long-term without being able to offer as much money or prestige? And, and if so, how? So, I mean, there's a lot of... Um, you know, there's a lot of body of work in that question. Um, but I would say, um, yes, I think every club should have a BBL and WBBL team. Um, and I think it's going to be, I, I think it's just common sense is a necessity that everybody's going to have to own their own facilities. So you just look at, you know, if you want the production to improve and you want them to come to your club and everything else like that. And we've seen those strides taken. Caledonia, incredible. Sheffield Sharks, incredible. Um, you know, so uh, to go back to Coach Kramesh from last week, you know, there are people that are raising the level. Um, the concerns around Surrey and Cheshire, um, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure how you get around that. You know, I can give you, I can give you my opinions that, for example, um, you know, does, does a Cheshire fan franchise become more aligned to a Liverpool type area because it's a bigger, um, a, a, a bigger area to choose from? Um, Surrey, I'm not quite sure what the answer is, but I, I think I have heard before that they are trying to build their own facility. But I think it's all going to come down to is that what that's what I would like to see from the league. You know, Cheshire have done an incredible job. Surrey, do, you know, brought Dan Clark in. I think there's no doubts that the infrastructure around those teams are absolutely fine. So what they need is investment. So that's what I would like the league to be doing with all this production money and with trying to help them is bring people in that are going to bring finance and, you know, be able to help that club. You know, I think that there's almost every club we, you know, we spent last year traveling all around, meeting all the clubs and everything else like that. I think their infrastructures are great. And I think that that's what I was assuming is going to come from 777 is, hey, there's there's a lot of um, interest from from America, probably predominantly with people with money that are willing to invest and Surrey and Cheshire Phoenix what two fantastic clubs to go and invest in. And there's for both of those clubs, there's a real community element as well that I think will uh, appeal to, to people's hearts. You know, it doesn't matter that the money would come from, from somewhere else across in America. They can relate to community, the passion, you know, the, the stories, you know, there's, there's stories for both of them, um, you know, coming out of the ashes, especially Cheshire Phoenix is, you know, club owned and proud of it. 
So I think you'd have to navigate that really, really carefully how you were going to support them. But for my mind, yes, they are going to have to improve in terms of, you know, what's the numbers around them that they can relate to in terms of bums on seats, owning their own venues. So then, of course, you know, when expansion happens, that everyone's at the same level, that's when we'll start to see massive strides in the league. Yeah, well put, sir. Yes, everyone needs to have their own venue and it's going to be a uh, necessity. And um, I'll just quickly touch on the first part of that question is the BBL having a WBBL team with equal prominence. And I will say, yes, I, w- I think that every team needs to have a women's team. And I think that they will. In regards to equal prominence, I think that's going to take a long time. And I only say that because the British Basketball League has a 35-year head start, similar to the NBA and WNBA. The WNBA is growing. They just announced expansion, but it's fair to say that WNBA has been in an expansion, I mean, been in existence over 20 years and is not even nowhere near the level as the NBA. And I just think it's just because of the NBA's had a head start. And I see the same thing with the women's game. And so I, I would say, you know, if we pour in the same resources in there, um, and it should get the same attention, but I think it's going to be a long time before they become equal. Um, and that's just because of time and that's it. But I think the investment needs to be pumped in there. It's very clear that women's sports is in demand. I just saw the game one of the, uh, of the WNBA finals last night. Yeah. It was crazy. Really cool. You see women's football, how women's football is growing. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it need every team needs to have one. So, but everyone appreciate you putting your questions in there, put them in there weekly. We'll touch on a couple of them, but, uh, yeah, Jay on you. Yeah. Keep them coming guys. We really appreciated that to, to, uh, give us something to talk about here on the pod. Let's finish off then. Um, this week's, uh, game of the week, uh, for me, having been burned, uh, by the game last week, I'm avoiding the Southwest Derby. Take three. Sorry, I did get it wrong last week. Uh, so thanks for that, Plymouth. I'll be avoiding you. Um, so for me, I'm going to go with Sharks v. Gladiators, two teams I'm not sure about yet. Not sure. Um, are they really good? Are they underachieving? I'm not sure. So I'm looking forward to seeing who comes out on top. This one, Drew, what do you reckon? What are you, what are you watching this week? I mean, that was that was my pick as well, just because I want to know if the Sharks, if that's the real Sharks, or is that an aberration at home? And then mm. the Gladiators, they play, we, we haven't seen much of them at all. They played Surrey, and I feel like I just need to see a little bit more of them. So um, other than them, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be focused on my Eagles. They go down to London. And so, um, you know, that would be really interesting to see uh, I mean, I think we're, it's safe to say we're expecting them to lose, but I want to see their intent. I want to see their approach to that game. So let's yeah. see. Hey, somebody's got to get them lions. But anyway, that's been another week here on the DNJ podcast. Thanks to our guest, Aaron Rye, for um, realizing just, just how dopey and stupid we really are, Drew. But uh, let's bo- buckle up for another week of British Basketball League action. Until then, Drew, lead us out. Yes, make sure you guys go out there, subscribe, hit the like button, leave a comment, get engaged out there on the socials. And we just want to say that we appreciate everyone out there inviting us into your lives every single Wednesday. So you can find us at the same place, same time here on the Drew and Jay podcast. See you guys next week. Peace. (laughs) 